Hello, my name is Chris Pollock. I am one of the pastors at the 8th Street Church in Oklahoma City, and I want to welcome you to this week in the way of Jesus. On this second week in the season of Easter, I want to remind you, in case you have forgotten, you live in a world where a resurrection has taken place. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I remind you about this because we stepped out of packed churches last week, hearing the good news of resurrection right into a world doldrum with despair. We didn't wake up on Monday morning after Easter to see no need for hospitals or oncologists or police officers or soldiers. The war in Ukraine still rages. Immigration is still an issue. Poverty and homelessness is seen right outside our door. The reality of resurrection does not make evil unreal. Sometimes it makes it more real. I think that's why St. John of the Revelation urges his readers to remember that evil always tries to demonstrate its strength when its grip on things is threatened. The resurrection of Jesus means that God has indeed become king, but while the bark and bite of the mad dog that is evil is real, it is like that dog is on a chain. Sure, it's real. But the good news is, it's got limits. That's why, on this second week in the season of Easter, I want to invite you into the practice of praying for the persecuted church. Come, oh, come, be our light. Drive out the darkness. Come, Jesus, come. We've confessed this before at the 8th Street Church. We are a violent people. I think that may be why one of the top 10 commandments is do not kill. That would seem like it was common sense, but as they say, common sense is not very common. But our own Oklahoma cultural narrative surrounds violence. It was built on violence. The Trail of Tears, the Oklahoma Land Run, our need to carry guns, and the Oklahoma City bombing. Even as I sit here recording this podcast, many are resting up, ready to run the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon as our annual marathon is happening this week. They say that we run to remember. But what do we want to remember? We, of course, want to remember the 168 people who lost their lives on April 19, 1995, when the Murrah Federal Building was bombed. But we also want to remember the violence itself. Let us not forget the violence. Resurrection comes after the cross. We remember the violence so that we won't repeat the violence. There are some around the world that can't forget the violence even if they tried. They are armed only with the hope of resurrection. However, evil threatens their faith and their lives every day as they live facing down evil as it threatens them. When we hear readings from the New Testament, we can most likely assume that the stories and the letters were written to people 
who were facing significant persecution. The point of these letters was to encourage them. And at the top of the list of what to do in the midst of persecution is pray. In Ephesians, Paul instructs the church to pray for persecuted believers so they would know the hope that God gives, Ephesians 1.18. Pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen those believers, Ephesians 3.16. And pray that even in the midst of their suffering, persecuted believers would know how much God loves them, Ephesians 3.17. Every year under the thorn Every wrong that we have known Every valley will be raised The ancient ruins will be remade This week, as our weekly practice is praying for the persecuted church, I'd like to walk us through a prayer adapted from a prayer that my friend and former colleague Bob Miller wrote. His words become my words to God for the brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering through persecution even today. So I invite you to, even right now, position yourself to speak to God on behalf of these. Let my voice and Bob's words become the prayer of your heart right where you are. Holy Trinity, God, the one who is the circle dance of outpouring relationship and love, we come to you in this moment of prayer. It has been estimated that 200 million Christians are facing persecution and 60% are children. We know that Jesus understands persecution. He's been there. And you know the exact number. You know every single one. When we hear about persecuted individuals, we can't help but wonder how we would stand up in similar circumstances. We don't know. But what we do know is this, that we would want other Christians praying for us. And we would want your presence with us. So today we come to you in prayer. And today, we confess that we are not without blame. As representatives of the most powerful country that has ever existed in human history, we have acted with a heart of violence. We pray that you would forgive us. Our power has come by way of bloodshed. Our land has come by way of violence. Our position has come by way of stealing from our neighbor. We confess that we have stood behind bombs tanks, and guns, and considered them our salvation. Forgive us. Forgive us for the harm we have caused, and hear our prayer. Even now, we pray for our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world, in North Korea, Somalia, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, Sudan, Iran. Pakistan, Nigeria, Maldives, Libya, Yemen, Uzbekistan, Ethiopia, Egypt, Myanmar, the Palestinian territories, China, Ukraine, 
Russia. And there are so many other places with your people. We pray for them. We ask that you would give them courage and grace. Help them to be able to keep their Bibles, the story that shapes them and boldens their faith. Enable them not to have to leave their homes. Comfort them. Give them words to speak when they're taken before the authorities. And above all, we ask that they would know that your presence is with them. Thank you for the example of the church in China. Thank you for the news we hear of revival stirring in Iran. Thank you for the thousands who are being drawn to you through dreams and visions. We know there is a spiritual battle going on between darkness and light. We know that spiritual battles cannot be won with physical weapons. We've learned that. So today we focus our prayers on ISIS and Boko Haram and Al-Qaeda and Russian military leaders. Our highest prayer is that they would turn to you. You have a history of turning persecutors into radical followers. You've done it before. So we ask that revival would break out in their ranks. Cause them to see the truth of what they're doing. Empower them to resist evil. As we lay down our weapons, help them to do the same. We would love to see them glorifying you as Lord, and we would embrace them as brothers and sisters in Christ. But if they won't, is it all right if we ask you to confuse their camp, bring disunity in their ranks, thwart plans and schemes, make their weapons ineffective, dry up their funding, dry up their strength, cause vehicles to break down, knock the wheels off of their chariots, frustrate their communications? You know how to do this. You've done it before. We know from Revelation chapter 6 that you have a special place for those who give their lives for their faith in you. We know that the resurrection of Christ changed the trajectory of history. It was the beginning move. God is now about the business of ushering in a new heaven and a new earth. But that work is not complete. In fact, we confess, it feels like we're still at the beginning. That's why today, we ask that your strong presence would be with our brothers and sisters who are suffering because of their faith. As we see and hear about the example of our brothers and sisters, we ask that you would help us to love you more and to love our neighbors more. These things we ask in your powerful name. Amen. Every weapon you want to listen to this podcast several times throughout the week as a way to remind you to keep praying for those who are persecuted. The way of Jesus is the way of holy community. So while we were yet sinners and God died in solidarity with us, we stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters around the world. This is how we do the very good 
and useful work of God together. Friends, may you embrace the joy that comes in this truth. You live in a world where a resurrection has taken place. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you for joining us this week as we learn to live the way of Jesus together. I pray and I hope the grace and peace you need in this season might be yours today. i uh-huh.